Our sponsor today, Manscaped, has you covered to keep the hair looking nice and trimmed and feeling fully supported. Manscaped offers precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. Plus, for a limited time, when you order the perfect package kit, you get two free gifts, the Shed Travel Bag and the Manscaped Anti-Chafing Boxer Briefs. The Manscaped Anti-Chafing Cooling Boxer Briefs might be one of my favorite parts of the collection. The Boxer Briefs have optimal temperature control with their crop cooling technology while keeping your pride and joy supported. The waistband is also super elastic and reduces chafing and rubbing. And pair these Boxer Briefs with their pH-balancing liquid products like the Crop Preserver and you're ready for anything. And you can get 20% off and free shipping with the code THEATHLETIC20 at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com and use code THEATHLETIC20. From the moose to the caboose, always use the right tools for the job. For the Athletic Podcast Network, this is The Update. I'm Adam Copeland. On today's show... We'll talk to our athletic writer, Nicole Auerbach, about how college football is getting underway. We talked to her yesterday, actually just before the college football season kicked off. That's right. There were college football games last night on television for the 2020 season. Live sports happening on college campuses around the country. Nicole had a great piece about whether or not this season was going to be able to finish, whether or not the Big Ten was going to get underway this year, and how fans are planning to attend games both in the ACC and in the SEC. It's Friday, September 4th. Fun opportunity now to finally talk some college football. We've done a couple of shows already sort of leading up to this. Was it going to happen? Was it going to get done? And it sounds now like college football is going to get underway. We'll welcome in now from our own athletic, Nicole Auerbach. She covers college football. She hosts a show on Sirius XM. I think we've seen her even on CNN. Nicole, it's great to have you on with us today. Yeah, thanks for having me. I was joking with you before we started here that I was reading your article from this morning about the new protocols in different conferences at different stadiums in different states about the status of college football. And we are underway. Is there more games on Thursday night? Is there reason to be excited about this? Yeah, I mean, I think it's going to feel really weird. <laughs> um, I mean, first of all, you've got the first couple of FBS teams kicking off UAB and Southern Miss. And then there's six games on Saturday and then BYU Navy on Monday night. But you know, you don't have any, the, the Big 12 starts next week, ACC starts next week, SEC not till the end of the month, no Big 10, no Pac-12. So like, it's just going to feel very weird overall. And then it's going to look kind of different. I mean, it's going to certainly be a, a totally different experience for in-person fans, but even watching on TV, I mean, we're going to see a lot of masks on sidelines. The sidelines are going to be spread out more. You're going to see fans in like, you know, little seating clusters, right? Like a little group of four people that came together, will sit together and then they'll be six feet <laughs> yeah, apart yeah. from the next group. So it's just going to be very strange. And I think just because there's been so much turmoil and so many concerns leading into the start, it's just not as quite exciting and just total excitement as it was for like the NBA bubble to restart. Because you knew at that point that the bubble environment was working and that people were safe. It was this experiment, but it was, you know, contained and they had all this money for the testing and the protocols and the equipment they needed. And you don't have that same comfort level, I guess I would say, and just kind of 100% confidence in the setup because it's not a bubble because it's open because these college campuses are dealing with outbreaks and you know and also honestly just, there's not been a lot of transparency a lot of these schools have not put out results of their COVID testing there's so much more uncertainty and it being outside of a bubble that it's just hard to be like 100% excited because 
you know, all of the anxiety and the concerns that have led conferences and teams to not play, they're still there. They're just in the backdrop now. Right. And you said something there that I thought was interesting, kind of about the landscape of college football relative to what we're seeing with pro sports. And there was so much... I want to say pushback, at least from where we are, where I am in this part of the country in California, where people are saying, how can you put kids on a football field when we can't even put all of them in the classroom? And I think that's something people are concerned about. So I wonder about the, you know, you're talking about transparency and now the Pac-12 isn't playing. Mountain West and all these other conferences have said, we can't make it out there. We can't put these kids on the field because we can't guarantee their safety. And now you're to a point where there are kids pulling out of big schools. We saw that uh, LSU wide receiver Jamar Chase, who won the Bolitnikoff Award last year has pulled out. We heard the other day Ed Orgeron is concerned about multiple players on his team considering pulling out. I saw Central Florida has 10 players that don't want to play. You know, we talk about the NBA bubble, as you mentioned. Is this a legitimate title? Will baseball with 60 games be a real title? However, you've got some of the power conferences still playing football, and because there's no one governing body over all of this, it just seems like there's so much up in the air. What are your thoughts on the the legitimacy of this college football season? Yeah, I think that people have probably have mixed opinions on that. I mean, I know like Nick Saban has has gone on record and said, you know, he believes that, you know, whoever wins and, and who plays because, you know, they were able to play and that there's three power five conferences participating, like, you know, A, that they should have the college football playoff, they should have a postseason to, to play towards, but that it should be a championship that counts. And I absolutely understand that from the perspective of someone still in the system and playing in the fall and, and the college football playoff has put out their schedule that they do anticipate, you know, again, it's it's aligned with the fall schedule. So even if there is a spring schedule with the Pac-12 and the Big Ten, that they would not have a playoff, which obviously also makes sense. To me, everything this year and all of these sports are going to be asterisks. I know that that's such a controversial term in sports, but I mean, come on, Ohio State is a national championship caliber team. They won't be competing. So to me, I just think, you know, if you have four of the 10 FBS leagues that feed into the system, the bowl system and the playoff, and you don't have them there, yes, you're technically over 50%, but you're missing some of the best players in the country. And again, at least one team in Ohio State that could have potentially won it all. So to me, yeah, I mean, it's great if it's Alabama, you know, or Clemson and they hoist up the trophy. First of all, it's awesome that we got a season in and we got to that point. But second of all, like, you're always going to wonder what if, because you're not going to have certain teams involved. And so it's very different than just like the Pac-12 being left out of the playoff. It's not even being included in the body of teams that can make it. So, I mean, I think people will have different opinions on that. But for me, there will be an asterisk and just sort of always wondering, you know, what if and, you know, again, saying, you know, despite the opt outs, despite the teams that weren't available, this was the best team in college football in the fall of 2020. It's kind of funny because for like diehard college football fans, I think we all look at the SEC and lately probably the ACC and the Big 12 and the Big 10 is probably the creams of the crop. And we're leaving out one power five conference there. I'm talking about the Pac-12. I think most people would look at the college football playoff and go, was a Pac-12 going to get a team in anyway? Does that even matter? I mean, again, and that's totally fine in someone's perspective. And obviously every year, you know, there's five leagues, four spots. But to me, still, that's very different than not even having a chance to be in it at all. But I'm sure that that affects the way people view it. And again, I think when you have a team like Ohio State, if you didn't have a team out of the Big Ten that was kind of locked and loaded like Ohio State right now, you know, maybe the conversation is a little bit different. Maybe the backlash from some of the coaches is a little different. But, you know, that's just kind of this is where we are right now. And and these are the leagues that, you know, normally feed into the system. 
and they're not going to. And, uh, you know, I, I think what you're mentioning about the players opting out is really important as well. You know, Jamie Newman at Georgia as well. LSU at full strength, despite everything that they lost to the NFL draft, was still a really formidable opponent. They may not be that this year. We still don't know. There could be more opt-outs that are coming in the coming weeks as well. So, again, that's going to change the dynamic of who ultimately has the best team this fall. We'll be right back after a quick word from our sponsors. We mentioned the Big Ten already a couple of times. I want to talk just briefly about a piece you had earlier this week about the president meeting with Big Ten Commissioner Kevin Warren by phone and discussing getting the Big Ten back on the field. You know, political aspirations aside and, and what this means for the election aside, I wonder about, you know, getting this league back on the field. Does it seem this late in the game, even though Trump called this conversation productive, is this a real option? Are they actually talking Big Ten getting on the field sometime in October? And what, what do you think about the legitimacy of that? Uh, the short answer is no. Um, I mean, li- like really nothing has changed. And I understand that fans are clamoring for, you know, they want something to change. They want to play. These coaches want to play as soon as, as possible. But okay, like, let's just start with this. If, if you're going to start in October, October 3rd or October 10th, you need to be in training camp right now. And that's obviously not the case. They have a reduced amount of hours that those teams can practice right now. I believe it's 12 hours of instruction. So first off, that's a hurdle. Second of all, the next steps in the process for the Big Ten, no matter what, even if the federal government can help out with some rapid testing, maybe some contact tracing or equipment, the next step for the Big Ten is to set medical benchmarks of what they're okay with for a restart. Because basically they're going to the point where they're like, okay, these were the conditions that were in place that caused us to shut down for the fall. So what are the conditions that need to be in place for us to restart? So is that community transmission rates? Is that, again, availability of of rapid testing? Is it turnaround times and the labs in their individual communities? Is it making sure that they have more equipment to monitor cardiac potential complications from COVID, right? Like all of those things need to actually just be written out. And that's their plan. They want to write out all of those medical thresholds that would need to be met to restart. And then you're talking about picking a restart date. So the way that the subcommittees involved in this return to play task force work are, you know, they have some possible models that they're looking at right now. And the earliest one is the end of November. Yet people I talk to who are involved in these committees still think January-ish, so maybe end of December into January, is still the more likely start date. So again, there's a lot of things that need to be addressed here. It's not like there was one condition. It wasn't like the one thing that the Big Ten made the decision was about the lack of rapid tests. So if Donald Trump can provide that, boom, everything is fixed because there were a lot of other criteria that were issues. And so again, it's outlining those criteria that would need to be met moving forward to restart. So honestly, like we're where we were last week, which is their potential models. They're having conversations about medical thresholds and go from there. But yeah, I mean, I think if the president calls and and is offering help, you think about it and you think about what you might want to ask for. But again, it's not like it was one thing that just needed to flip for them to be able to play tomorrow. And again, you know, I think it's important to keep in mind that training camp is not underway. So, you know, from a physical safety standpoint, you wouldn't be ready to play at the beginning of October. And that all comes back to the term you were using earlier about leagues using transparency here as far as setting those benchmarks for we've got to accomplish this before we can open said school or get guys on the field and whatnot. I want to ask you just briefly before we let you go about Major League Baseball for me was the first sort of template of leagues to say, hey, we're not doing the bubble. We're going to travel. We're going to do the best we can about the protocols. No fans. We're going to test, et cetera, et cetera. We've had teams get decimated, right? We had the 
St. Louis Cardinals play like six games or something or five games before they got shut down for like a two week period. The Florida Marlins had the exact same thing happen. And then, you know, the NBA bubble, obviously a wild success as far as the test rates go. NHL, same sort of thing. The MLS's back tournament did just that down in Orlando also. And then now they're traveling. So it's different because these kids are not professional athletes. I wonder if a league or if a team is to get decimated in the way a major league baseball team was or affected in the way a team was by COVID-19, are there protocols in place? Your article today covered a lot about fan involvement, what players were going to be allowed to do off the field and pregame and postgame. But what about if there's a positive test that runs wild through a team? Are these leagues in a position to shut down, push games, reschedule? There is no you know, 16-man uh, practice squad like we've got in the NFL now. So I just wonder, from your perspective or your stance, what's the plan there? Uh, it's a great question because we've been asking for months and I think administrators earlier in the summer had kind of suggested that there might be, you know, a, a 20% threshold of unavailable players or a certain amount of positive cases that would shut down a game. And as it turns out, I mean, the Big 12 is going to have some sort of, you know, kind of standards regarding like a 53 person roster. But most of these leagues are not actually setting anything in stone. They're not going to have numeric thresholds, which means that honestly, it sounds like it's going to be pretty messy. You're going to have athletic directors on both sides of a game and the conference commissioner and medical team evaluating throughout the week as they go through their three tests during the week. What position groups are these affected? Can you sub somebody? If it's a defensive back, can you sub them in for a receiver? If it's like six offensive linemen that are out, then you can't play, right? It's going to have to be very kind of free-flowing and like a rolling decision almost. And it's just going to be weird. It's going to be messy. Um, and it's going to be very hard because unlike the pros, it's not necessarily like a certain automatic threshold that causes a cancellation or a postponement. So I think that that's going to be messier and transparency is going to be key. And, and like we were talking about, I mean, there really hasn't been much, but people are going to need to know why games are getting postponed, especially if you get to like a Friday on the eve of a game day, and then you're not even sure you're playing that game. I mean, there's a lot of issues with this, but it sounds like, honestly, that these conferences are going to go the messiest possible way to make these decisions. It's a way of life in some of these uh, some of these conferences and some of the parts of this country where uh, you, you got to play your college football. So I'm interested to see how this thing plays out if one team gets it or a, an AD or a coach says, we can't field the team and we're, not, we're deciding not to. I wonder which direction. I have a tough time believing that there's any one thing that's going to be able to shut down any of these conferences unless a, a commissioner says, we're just not playing in the way Kevin Warren did. So, Nicole, I really do appreciate the time. Your work has been fantastic. It's been great to follow even before the pandemic, but your work throughout the pandemic with college football has been fantastic. So we'll continue to follow you, read you, and try to get excited about college football this weekend. Absolutely. Uh, Hopefully we enjoy the games. Thanks for having me. Great insight from Nicole. She's doing a fantastic job writing, as I said, throughout this pandemic. And, you know, even before this, she was doing a great job with how she covers college football. She is all over the place, but she's getting good articles out there. I'd I'd implore all of you to check them out on the athletic site if you have not already. And give her a follow on Twitter at Nicole Auerbach. Special thanks to Brian Smith, my producer. Thank you to Nicole. And a thank you to you, the listener, for keeping us going, giving you the best stories in Bay Area sports. And this one a little bit more in the national scope, but still a lot of fun. As I know, college football hits home for a lot of people. I'd like to get excited about it. I just don't know if they're going to be able to finish this season. 
What I do know is that the NFL season kicks off next Thursday, and we'll be covering all of it. We're going to talk to Lindsey Jones from The Athletic on Monday about the big picture in the NFL. We'll also talk to our own Raider writer, Tashawn Reed, and cover a little 49er football ahead of the 2020 season getting started next week. For full coverage of sports in the Bay Area, subscribe to the update on Google Podcasts. The Athletic is the world's fastest-growing sports media publication. Get in-depth sports stories you won't find anywhere else. Start your 30-day free trial today by visiting theathletic.com slash Google. If you're enjoying the podcast, please rate, review, and subscribe wherever it is that you're listening to us. We've got so much great stuff coming up. Everybody enjoy the weekend. We'll talk to you guys on Monday.